0: Nice to be here with you today. Um, just, we had a group out in Palina today, just uh, doing a service out there uh, for the rodeo, Palina Rodeo. They did a, I think they did a breakfast again this year maybe, um, although I see our camp cook is here somewhere, and so I don't know if they did a breakfast without her, but um, food doesn't happen without Casey McKinnon around here usually, so. Um, But we'll be praying for them, Uh, they're going to do a service this morning and then um, just spend time loving on people out there at the rodeo and um, yeah, so we're here, Uh, we're going to continue in Acts chapter 13, we have a pretty big chunk we're going to try to tackle today so we'll dive right in and get started, but first I want to pray for us. Lord, just thank you for this morning, God, and just thank you for your word that uh, that just doesn't fall void. Lord, you just honor uh, your word and you direct it, Lord, to us. And uh, God, you just place it on our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that that would be uh, that would be true for this place today, God. That you would just. Impress upon the hearts here, Lord, just your word and uh, God, that you would just use it to shape us and mold us and encourage us and convict us. And God, just uh, we love you so much and we're thankful, uh, Lord, for just your faithfulness and sometimes in ways that only we know. And so, uh, God, thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, small, short recap, you guys. Um, we'll look at the beginning of chapter 13 uh, a couple weeks ago. We see um, Saul and Barnabas are being sent out from Antioch on a mission, um, on, a, on a mission journey to preach the gospel. And we talked about it then, but they're in Antioch today as well. But it's it's good to note that there's two Antiochs. So uh, we have the Antioch in Syria, which is home to the first Gentile church. And it's also the Antioch that Barnabas and Saul are sent out from. The second Antioch that we'll be talking about today is Antioch in Pisidia. This Antioch is located in the mountains of Asia Minor, which would be uh, modern-day Turkey. We got uh, continuing on real quick. We have verses four through twelve. The next chunk there, they um, Barnabas and Saul they head to Cyprus. They take John Mark with them, which is Barnabas' cousin. Uh, they preach the gospel, and the proconsul named Sergius Paulus gets saved. Right, just, that was when they. Uh they met the the Jewish false prophet Bar Jesus, and he preached the gospel to the proconsul that was with him. And uh, you know, a, a proconsul is essentially a governor of a province or a region that was under Roman Empire. So, so the leader of the of the providence gets saved, and and then he takes the word of God back to his people, and and leads you know hopefully just would lead them and, and shape his leadership around Christ. And so just the gospel continues to spread. And um, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, and that, that, that puts us in verse 13 of chapter 13. And it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail for uh, Paphos and came to Perga, In Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on to Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any words of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, said, Men of Israel, And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I am not he, no, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers. Because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilling them, or fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It is necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light For the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading through the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women and the high standing, of high standing, and the leaders of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That is the word of the Lord today. Be thinking about a few things as we walk through this chunk. Um, be thinking about: Are we bringing the good news of Jesus to people? Are you someone after God's heart? And if <clears throat> those things, if those things are true, that. that then maybe there's a place we could humble ourselves and seek Jesus' help. So we pick up in verse 13. Um, Now Paul and his companions set sail for Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. And so, Paul. So we're uh, Barnabas and Saul get sent from Antioch, uh, right? And then now we're seeing him referred to as Paul and Barnabas instead of Saul and Barnabas. So we know that Paul is Saul's Roman name, and we also see them kind of switch just how they would announce or just how the author writes it. it Paul's kind of taken on a little bit more of a leadership role in, in the mission journey. And so it's just, oh, Paul and Barnabas. And, and Barnabas is encouraging him and, and Paul is, is doing some of, primarily most of the speaking. And, um, and And he's referred to as Paul because we see him shift his mission from the Jews and Saul is his um, Hebrew name, right? So we, we see Paul and Barnabas shift their mission to the Gentiles. And so, um so he uses his Roman name Paul. So it says Paul and his companions, so we have Barnabas, John Mark, which is um, John Mark wrote the second gospel, the gospel of Mark. Um, and they they set sail from from Paphos, which is the capital city of Cyprus, and came to Perga and Pamphylia, which is another major city in the province of or Pergam, sorry, is, is a major city in the province of Pamphylia, which is about 200 miles north across the Mediterranean Sea from Cyprus. So 200 miles on a boat, and it happened in about one verse. So there's probably a ton of stuff that happened in 200 miles on a boat. Um, but it's just some background of this the time. It's not like, oh, we left here and jumped in the speedboat and jumped over here. It's like 200 miles. I, I, you know, I'm not a sailor. I'm I went deep sea fishing once in Mexico, and eight hours I was sick on a boat. And so I knew right away my career as a pirate was just going to be non-existent. So I don't know how long two hundred miles on a boat takes, but um, yeah, uh, I just you won't find me figuring it out either. So, um, so we see also that verse thirteen John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So. We don't know a lot about why John Mark left, but we know that there was a little bit of contention there. Um, but I think it's important to remember. My perspective in in this anyway would be that John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark, so so we know that he loves the Lord, and so so for whatever reason he. Decided to stay and go back to Jerusalem, and um, and Paul was maybe a little bit upset about that, but I think it's good even for Paul to remember that God's um, is sovereign, and nothing will keep His will from being done. And so that makes situations like this, when we you know we, we maybe have a, a point of contention or division, we just trust the Lord that, that um, man. We just we. Paul, advice to Paul would be, Paul, worry about the guy in the mirror. And it also John Mark, Mark, worry about the man in the mirror. You know, and just um, that we wouldn't allow the enemy to come in and just create this turmoil. Um, and so, so for whatever reason, John says, Hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. See you guys. Uh, probably be praying for you. Hope it goes well. Later on, they join uh, up for uh, and come together for the same purpose of of worshiping the Lord and, and taking the gospel to unreached areas. And uh, and so verse 14 says, But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch of Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. So we already discussed the difference between the Antiochs. And so... Um, so they go in and they sit down, just kind of like Sunday service. Hey, I'm, I'm here. Um, verse 15, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. And so typically a synagogue service would would kind of operate like this. So opening prayer, followed by the reading from the law, which would be the first five books of the Old Testament, then a reading from the prophets, and lastly, perhaps those in charge of, of the synagogue would invite people to speak on subjects related to the readings, okay? So it's kind of like being at a wedding, and they get ready for the toasts, and they're like, hey, anybody want to say anything about the couple? And and so Paul's, we, we're going to see... Paul stands up and says, "Hey, I'll, I'll say something." And, and it, there's always that guy at the wedding. You're like, "Yeah, we open mic was a bad idea." And it's just it's like for the for the uh, rulers of the synagogue, Paul's at Like, oh my gosh, what did we do? We gave this guy the mic, and now it's it's very contrary to what they would. I mean, they don't, they don't believe that Jesus died for them. So he's just about to drop this big long historic bomb on them, and and so it's just. Anyways, it, it made me think of that. Like they're they're sitting there going, oh, "What was I thinking?" Um, so Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, "Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen." So he's addressing two. Paul's addressing two groups. So he gets the probably no microphone, but he so he called him in. Hey, hey, come in, come in closer. He's addressing two groups of people here. So he says, "Men of Israel," and that's the Jews, okay. And he says, I'm going to keep my finger in my book right here. Uh, men of Israel, and then he says, you who fear God, listen. And so so men of Israel, the Jews, you, you who fear God, we have the Gentiles, who desire to leave behind kind of pagan gods and, and worship Jehovah God, the God of the Bible. And it says "But they... So they would follow the rules of the Old Testament, kind of like a Jew, but they wouldn't have converted to Judaism because uh, circumcision. So so he, Paul stands up. He's dressing a couple different people. Um says, The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the, pro, the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about forty years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And so God leads the Jews out of Egypt, just reminding them. uh, This this chunk of scripture from like seventeen to twenty three reminds me of Stephen, preaching the gospel as the first deacon of the church in Acts chapter seven. Right, so. Stephen goes on and gives this historical account. Like, this is who we are. This is, this is all the things we've done. And this is how Jesus plays into that. And so the whole of Scripture from Genesis to Re- Revelation speaks about Jesus. Like, he is the main theme woven through the book. And so um, we're reminded, I think, because of that. So, so. Stephen preaches this kind of teaching to to the Jews and and Paul's now preaching this and he I think it's a good thing to remember that though the vessel may change so the guy standing doing the preaching may change the story of the gospel never changes so Paul was um, he was going to continue on and and he says, In 17, the God of it, of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And so, remember, reminds them, God led us out of Egypt, led the Jews out of Egypt, slavage, slavage slave and bondage. Uh, and then, and, oh, and God put up, put up with with them for forty years in the wilderness. So, so we see God's grace to them. So, um, God is gracious to put up with us, isn't He? Um, Nineteen says, after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, He gave them their land as an inheritance, and so. God destroys anyone or anything that stands in the way of his will. And um, and so, hear this. God is someone that you want on your side. Okay? So, he, he destroys seven nations in the land of Canaan so he can give them this land of inheritance. And the Jews thought it was amazing, I'll bet. Like, man, look at this land he's given us. So cool. And... Uh, when we think about it. Think if you inherited it, used to just made a little nice spread, right? Just inherited this place, and oh, this is great. Well, we know that that inheritance, right? We know the Bible speaks of a better inheritance. And that inheritance is nothing compared to what's talked about in 1 Peter chapter 1, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, in him being Christ, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. All this took about four hundred and fifty years, and after that he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Four hundred and fifty years It's like God is very long suffering. It's a long race that we that calls us to run with endurance then they asked they being the Jews then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul son of Kish a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years so, so the Jews oh, we want a king we want a king so Saul was made king by God but he wasn't God's choice he was the people's choice. So God allows us. We just see this. God allowing the Jews. He allows us to make decisions, even if they aren't maybe the best ones to make. And when He removed him, when He had removed Saul from king, He raised up. This is this is a good. This is good stuff right here. He raised up David. <laughs> To be their king. From whom he testified and said. I have found in David. The son of Jesse. A man after my heart. Who will do. All my will. Man. I just think of. David is a man after God's heart. Isn't that. That. Isn't that what we want to be? Like, someone that is after God's heart. So, I think we take a step back, too, and think, okay, so, oh, David, man, after God's heart, kind of like the golden child, you know? But I think it's good to remember David was far, far from perfect. Um, What made David a man after God's heart was that when he sinned he chose to walk in repentance so when David sins he chooses to walk in repentance and what makes us different as Christians from the world is that It's not that we don't sin anymore. It's that when we sin, we choose to run in repentance towards Jesus of that sin. So David, while he's called a man after God's heart, I can think of someone else who's who's after God's heart. First one comes to mind, it's Jesus. Jesus is the example for us. Who will do all my will? Jesus did the will of the Father. Verse 23 says, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel... A Savior, Jesus, as He promised. I'm reading this this week, and I'm just thinking, "Oh man!" Just like Paul finishes, like right there, just you could just literally drop the mic, and with with that statement of of this man's offspring, of David's offspring, that line, God has brought to Israel a Savior as He promised. You're just like. Yeah, we get a Savior. God never fails to deliver on a promise. And Jesus fulfills God's promise to us. To the Jews first and the Gentiles. So I just, I mean, Paul could just have stopped right there, but... But he continues on, being led by the Spirit, continues on, verse 24, and it says, Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I'm not he. No. But behold, after me, one is coming. The sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. John the Baptist. So John knew who Jesus was. I mean, sure, John John was Jesus' cousin, but, but that's not what I'm saying. So John knew Jesus was the spotless lamb, the Messiah. So John means it literally when he says I'm not worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. A story of a of a buddy who was at uh, at his church and he went into chat with him. excuse me. Buddy, who went in to talk to uh, the pastor, seek some counsel. And, uh, anyways, they're in his office and they're praying and and uh, so the pastor he kind of shares with the pastor what's going on in his life. And the pastor's like, "Okay, let me let me pray for you." And my buddy's like, "Yeah, we're sitting there and and all of a sudden I hear this boom." And he's like, kind of like, "Well, the pastor's behind his desk and all of a sudden he just he's kind of like the pastor's like." flat on the floor just face down and he's just like and the pastor starts praying uh, my buddy is just like i don't even really remember what he's praying about i was just kind of like what what's this guy doing you know and so anyways he finishes praying and hey, amen and and so he's just like pastor oh, i'll just be praying for you and he's like thanks and he says, hey i just i gotta ask you <laughs> what like what what is this out of your coming out of your chair, like what's what are you doing? Like what is happening here? You know, and the, and the pastor's just like, when we pray, we speak to. Maybe I should skip the story. Um, when we pray, we, we speak to the God of all creation. And I think that if we can, as Pastor's saying, if we can grasp a little bit of that, like, He is holy and perfect. And we are not. And so he's just like I can't look at him. Like he, God is this God of 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 just I mean fill in the blank. But just God is the God of this of creation of I mean he's perfect. He he's just. He's worthy to be praised and because of Jesus he allows me to talk to him. And he's just saying like God is just so supreme that I just can't help but fall on my face before him. In gratitude in, in an acknowledgment that i'm unworthy just reminds me of John the Baptist like man like i'm not worthy to untie his sandals we, we kind of chuckle but it's like it's like peter in the boat uh, in luke and he's like jesus brings all the fish in the boat and he's Peter's just like, oh, like, I can't, like, like, knowing that he is who he says he is, like, man, I I shouldn't even be in your presence. But that's what makes it grace. Verse 26 says, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God to us has been sent the message of this salvation this crowd <clears throat> John again speaking to the crowd of, as a whole, the Jews this family of Abraham Gentiles, those who fear God I was like, hey hey this is exciting news there's salvation for all who believe, we don't have to. We don't have to die. We don't have to perish, and and, and live in turmoil and darkness. Like, we get to we get to live in community with God, and, and it's because of this Jesus that I'm telling you about. He brings them a warning for those in twenty-seven. It says for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not receive him him being Christ the Messiah nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every sabbath like we read in the old testament every sabbath about this and we we missed it and and so they fulfill Prophecy by condemning him. Verse 28 And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, found no guilt in Jesus worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. So Jesus was innocent, right? Spotless lamb, created, did no wrong, created no wrong, lived a sinless life. In 29, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Down from a tree, so they crucified him on a cross. We know that's true. They laid him in a tomb. They buried him. So the story's getting a little sad. But in in verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. Resurrection to life. Sometimes we hear the story of Jesus and so we we don't really ponder just how big of a deal it is for somebody to be raised from the dead, somebody for the resurrection of Jesus. And it's like the next I've never been to a funeral and seen anybody raised from the dead. I just like this is a big deal. And it shows the power of God that that what he said would happen happened and verse 31 talks about the proof it says and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem and are now his witnesses to the people he walked with the people about 500 it said what uh, is what I found around 500 of them and I just think that would just be would be so mind-boggling. I, I just like I think even I mean we know that even some of the apostles didn't really understand. They really walked with him. It's easy to miss it. It's easy for us to walk through life with these blinders on and miss it. Verse thirty-two. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to his fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I've begotten you. Paul and Barnabas are bringing the good news. So we do, we go on mission as followers of Christ, we support missions of those who go as followers of Christ, uh, of Christ, that we pray for those who go as followers of Christ because they're bringing the good news. But, but we can bring the good news as well. Whether we're at work, whether we're with our family, whether we're at the grocery store, at the gas station, at school picking up the kids, The good news isn't just for Paul and Barnabas to share. It's for any of us who, by the grace of God, have been, as 1 Peter chapter 1 says, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know if we're going to make it. 38... Nope. Oh, see, we're not going make it. 34. Uh, and as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he has served... After he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised did not see corruption. And so, when you die, your body start, you're buried. Your body starts to deteriorate unless you were cremated, and then it deteriorates super fast. Um, and we see corruption, so that's kind of a normal thing. Okay, they would. People would say, yeah, that's normal. No one's gonna probably debate that. So um so then he he says, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And so God made a covenant with David that his soul would live. However, his body saw corruption. But we know that Jesus' soul, nor his body, saw corruption because he was resurrected. 38 says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Through Jesus' death and resurrection comes forgiveness of sins. And forgiveness of sins comes... And with forgiveness of sins comes eternal life in heaven with God, the creator of all things. So that is something. So that statement right there, that through Jesus' death and resurrection comes forgiveness of sins. And with forgiveness of sins comes eternal life in heaven with God. That is something that the law of Moses could never give us. The atoning death of Jesus completely satisfies the demands of God's law, making salvation available to all who believe. Jesus is the key that unlocks the door to freedom from sin. Forty and 41. Beware, therefore, lest, you, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers. Be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. So so we have a warning. Don't, Don't be someone who is told about the work of Jesus and what Jesus has done for you, yet you aren't humble enough to believe it. Like faith like a child, like we... We have to recognize that without Jesus we are doomed. Don't miss the call of Jesus like the Jews did. They waited all this time for the Messiah, and when the time came they missed it because they couldn't humble themselves. The Holy Spirit is who God uses to call us and convict us and show us truth. When you feel the tug on your heart, listen to that. Humble yourself before God and run in repentance towards Jesus. People loved the good news there. 42 says, As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many of the Jews, devout converts to Judaism, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. People loved the good news of Jesus. They're excited, and so they tell everyone. The whole town showed up the next week to hear about it. It's like, they live, in those days they they didn't have all the technology, all the things like their access to information wasn't like it is now. And so, you hear somebody preaching in the synagogue, oh, besides here, it's... Jesus, he died for us, this guy named Jesus, and you got to come hear about it. It's like, people come, because they want to know. Like, they don't just read about it on Instagram or Facebook the next day. Boom. Wouldn't that be cool to see a work of the Lord like that here? Last service in the park is next week, and the whole town shows up. Well, what's coming next might not be real good if the whole town is here. Um, Because verse 45 says, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Satan does not like it when we get momentum and traction for the Lord. But when Paul and Barnabas are met, With trial and persecution, they speak boldly. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. And when Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It is necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. So when the gospel isn't received, we see Paul and Barnabas as a a lesson to us. Don't be, don't grow weary. Don't be discouraged. Turn to the other neighbor and share the hope of Jesus. The Gentiles were over the moon that salvation had come to them. And when you're excited about something, you tell people about your excitement. The Gentiles were excited, so they started telling people about Jesus, and so it spread throughout the whole region. Praise the Lord that his word goes forth, that his word came forth from there to here, to us, today, and that we would have heard the good news. Verse 50, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leaders and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the Jews were unhappy and wanted Paul and Barnabas to leave, so they stir up persecution. It's no different than Stephen, right? We're talking about Stephen. Like, they didn't like what he had to say. And so they stoned him to death. And what's interesting is that Paul was there at that. Paul led the charge there. Look at the transformation that God has done in Paul's life. Like he's he's ready to transform your lives, our lives, my life. He's in the process of doing those things. And instead of folding, as they face persecution, they dust off their sandals. There's a little more to this than just kind of like this symbolic, like, oh, fine, I guess I'll go over here, you know. Like, no skin off my nose. or Like, the Jews, the history behind it that I found was the Jews would do this in in front of the Gentiles. So the, the Jews would dust off their The only dusting off of the sandals I've ever seen is, like, on the dance floor, you know, when they pe- sweat their feet, you know. So the dusting of the sandals or when the Jews would would do that in front of the gentiles to show them that even the dust on their sandals from gentile places was not welcome in Israel kind of this like like it's not we you're, you're not welcome here. And so Paul and Barnabas are, are trying to make kind of a statement here um Especially because they're going to Iconium, which is a melting pot, which is like a cultural melting pot, uh, for lack of a better word. Like it's not just like one people, like color, race, like uh, nationality, whatever, like it's. Everybody's there. Like, everybody's welcome. Iconium, everybody's there. Jews, Gentiles, just Greek, all of, all of the, everyone. So, so it's kind of like this. They're going to Iconium and, and the dust from our sandals is not welcome there even. Um, And so we see that in the last verse of thirteen fifty-two, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the holy spirit and so persecution drives us closer in relationship to the lord when we're in the valley when we're under attack if you know jesus you know that he is faithful And if you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, He is faithful. I speak to you the truth today. Just a few things. As I was putting this together this week, really kind of struggling with Um, We're and we're wrapping up. Um, I know Rory says that, but we are wrapping up. Um, A few things, just as I struggle um, this week, just kind of seeing seeing the picture of the gospel being um, being taught through chapter thirteen, and um, just kind of like, what is that? Like, what's that nugget? Like, what do you just hang on to and the Lord brought me to this place in Hebrews just reminding me of like man this is this text is so rich like the gospel is just it's just all about Jesus and we just were hearing God like there's the good news of Jesus like David's somebody after God's heart Jesus fulfills God's promises. Like, and so the Lord brings me to this place in Hebrews. It's just a good reminder that the Word of God stands on its own. And it's Hebrews 4:12, and it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And the sobering part of that, if, if you continue on into verse 13, it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so I just think, are we bringing the good news of Jesus to those around us? Are we someone after God's heart? And the good news is that if if we aren't, maybe there is a place that God can show us where we would humble ourselves and seek Jesus' help. Um, wasn't the worship team come up? Um, pretty close. Um, we are gonna. I don't know. Is the water trough back there? No. So. What we're going to do is give you some homework. In fact, that's really cramping my style here. Um, Next week, I believe they're going to do baptisms. and um, I'm just thinking it gives you, like, if you aren't baptized, if you know Jesus, if you would profess to be a follower of Christ and you haven't been baptized, it gives you a week to, to seek the Lord, to hear from the Lord, and Um, because there will be water, so what hinders us, you know? Um, And God calls us to a life of obedience. Um, Not because that obedience saves us or, um, or anything like that, but because Jesus tells us in the Gospels, if you love me, you will obey me. And so I just think, <clears throat> if you love Jesus, um, be praying about that. Be, be praying uh, what the Lord would have for you next week and, um, and how he would meet you. And if you don't know Jesus, <clears throat> I would encourage you to To think about your life and to think about the things God has created us to worship. We, we are a race that has created to worship something. Whether it's my free time. Whether it's hunting, shopping, television, money, my work my status, my car. And the one that maybe we don't think about sometimes is sometimes we worship our family. We think, oh, I'm loving people, that's okay. But but when we hold our family or others in this place that is greater than where we hold the Lord, I think that there's there's a word for for us today and that as God has created us to worship, we're gonna worship things that will leave us wanting. We will try to fill this place in our heart with these things. And they will all leave us wanting but Jesus is the one thing that we can worship that, that creates fulfillment in our life and so if, if you want to talk more about that we, we can but I just think next week is, is baptism and how sweet would it be for you to surrender your life, recognize that your need for a Savior, and as you humble yourself and and ask God to forgive you and tell Him that you want to live for Him, yeah, here's water, what hinders us from being baptized? Like, so just a few things to think about for next week um, and today. But I'm going to pray for us, and then Joy is going to play a song. So Lord, thank you so much for today and thank you for your word. And thank you that you are faithful and you are just. We thank you that you call us out of our sin, away from the world. You call us and you draw us to yourself. Give us a heart that wants to chase after you. Lord, just be with us this week that we would be looking for opportunities to share the good news. I just pray that just for myself, Lord, you would just just humble me, Lord, that I would think greater of you than anything else. Show me the the things in my life, Lord, that that may take at times take precedence. Love you Jesus. We pray these things in your feet.